Hello everybody, welcome to Game Over Ottawa. I'm Charlie, and I'm doing my first solo show of the season. Uh, we'll see how I do compared to Mod. Somehow she managed to get through uh, her full, whatever it was, 30 plus minutes. Uh, more or less unwinded. So uh, she's already in mid-season form. We'll see how many uh, how many breaks for sips of water I need here. Big, big day for me because it's the first time this season I get to hit the button. In back-to-back -back days, the Sens win 5-2, to two, which means that the Tampa Bay Lightning just got... They just got Sens. They got Sens really bad. All right, so off the top of the show, I'm just going to remind anyone who's watching for the first time that we're trying something a little bit different this season on Game Over. So I'll be spending the sort of the end of the show going through the chat, taking a look at what everyone has to say. Obviously, in the meantime, feel free to talk amongst yourselves. But uh, if you have any questions um, or, more importantly, opinions on the game and the team itself, throw those in the chat. Um, won't be able to look at them quite uh, you know, right away. But as the show goes on towards the end, we'll be looking through the uh, through the chat and uh see what we are all thinking I'm, I'm i'm expecting mostly positives right now that was a pretty good game second 5-2 win in as many days we gotta love that um granted uh, against a uh a tampa bay lightning that is more or less uh i guess kind of shorthanded you could put it uh obviously vasilevsky being out for the first couple of months so they didn't even have their uh their backup and they had their third string guy uh, making his first career start in the NHL, uh, Matt Tompkins, who uh, I have him pulled up here just to make sure that we, we know all the info we need. Seventh round pick from the Chicago Blackhawks in the 2012 draft. First ever NHL game today, uh, 29 years old. Great story, uh, unfortunately for him and fortunately for me being a Sens fan, the Sens pulled out the win. Uh, also, the, the Lightning were without Stamkos, so... You have a guy net starting his uh his first ever NHL game and, and Stamkos is missing. You have to take advantage, and luckily they did. Um, just throwing based on the shot count, you can kind of tell they just kind of threw everything at the net that they possibly could, and it worked out. Luckily for uh, luckily for the team, and um, well, yeah, where to where to even start with this one? I don't really want to talk about the game itself as much as just as a few players I want to focus on. Um. I do have notes. I'm pretty good at my job so far. Uh, first thing, I, I kind of want to start with with really the only real negative I have to talk about uh, through this game, which is the, uh, unfortunately, it's the Shabbat chicken pairing. Uh, they were on the ice for both goals against, and both both goals against just really, just really, really poor reads, just bad misplays, a couple defensive breakdowns. Uh, the first goal of the game... Um, they had a really good. It pointed it out on the uh, on the broadcast today, on TSN, uh, pointing out how because you know Shabbat and Chicken are both lefties. Um, one's playing on on their offside. That being Shabbat, um, there's just way too much space between the two of them defending on that uh, on that rush. Where um, I believe that was Sorelli who scored the yeah Sorelli. Um, Shabbat had Shabbat. Shabbat was trying to cover two guys on, on his right side. Um, and Chikrin on the left, uh, covering one guy, and Shabbat maybe committed to the wrong of uh, wrong one of the two players on his side. Sorelli breaks through, uh, scores a really nice, really nice goal. Um, and then the second goal as well, um, which was Tanner Juno, uh, just on a play where where Shabbat was just kind of hanging out uh, on the right side of the net, uh, not really moving at all, just just kind of watching what was going on. 
And uh, Chikrin was in front of the net, but he kind of, uh, I think Juno more or less kind of kind of shoved him out of the way, and it worked. Uh, and it just kind of and it kind of left uh, two lightning skaters alone in front of Corpusalo. So because of those defensive breakdowns, I don't really hold Corpusalo accountable for either one of those goals. Um, you'd maybe like to see his save percentage a little bit better than where it's at. Uh, obviously, he gave up two kind of stinkers in the in the season opener against the Hurricanes, but I can't really hold too much against him in this one. Um, I, I hold the the top pair on defense much more accountable than him. But other than that, um, pretty much only positives to talk about today, which is great. I'm, I'm loving that. Um, so what we got to talk about first and foremost on the positives is uh, Vladimir Tarasenko scoring his first goal as an Ottawa Senator. Um, really great play by Ridley Gregg as well on that one. Uh, a pass to him between the legs, basically from the crease, and somehow Tarasenko has has the, the space and the time to go skate to stick and put it in. A uh, really, really nice goal. Um, Tarasenko, multiple point game for him today, just like it was uh, yesterday. So several Ottawa Senators with uh, back-to-back multi-point games for uh, for this weekend, which is great to see. Um, and then, of course, yeah, on, on just like I was saying, Tarasenko with multiple points. Uh, he had a fantastic read uh, behind the Tampa goal line um, where he... Uh, Great, great little takeaway. I don't remember who it was on Tampa that that lost the puck to him there, uh, but great read by Tarasenko, and he finds Matthew Joseph, fires it in. Um, also, Matthew Joseph, we're going to talk about him in a little bit. Um, but yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal game from Tarasenko. Uh, great goal and great, great read on that play to get to get to Matthew Joseph there. So. Uh, shout out Vladimir Tarasenko, first of hopefully 30 plus this season. Love to see it. Um, and then Brady Kachuk. We got to talk about Brady Kachuk. I'm going to get into Matthew Joseph after that. Um, Brady Kachuk with his uh, second two goal game in as many days. Um, he he's just. I feel, I feel like I do this every time I talk about Brady on the show. Um, he's so good. He's so good. He just is. He's so good. Uh, that play on his first goal. Uh, he was pushing into the offensive zone, tried to take a shot. Uh, Radish on the Lightning blocked it. Um, I don't even know what you'd call that. Re- a rebound? A rebound off the defender? Um, Brady gets the puck from his own blocked shot, fires it in while he's falling down. Unbelievable. Love to see it. Brady is a monster. Um, I tweeted earlier tonight that he's going to score 40 this year. It, re- it, it really feels like that. Um and you know, I mean, a lot of people are, are a lot of people point out that you know he scores a lot of his goals by just shoveling it in in front of the net. But he he's got a shot. He's got a shot, and we saw that tonight. Uh, and his second goal, I mean, come on, uh, I think that was Sanderson finding him on a long pass from the defensive end, and Kachuk just is flying through the offensive zone and tucks it between Tomkins' legs. Just a beautiful, beautiful goal. Uh, would not look out of place. For a goal that Stutzler or, or Tarasenko score, so uh, all that to say, Brady's got some hands, um, and just a really, really impressive game from Brady as well in this one. Um, and then let's talk about Matthew Joseph because Matthew Joseph is—he's uh, making it really hard to trade him. 
I think he's making it just about impossible to trade him, especially if teams are still looking for that sweetener. Um, because obviously, since Shane Pinto isn't signed, um, you got to move up some salary. And at the time, during the summer, Matthew Joseph seemed like the guy to move out. Um, just being out of anyone in the bottom six, he was the one making the most money. Um, yeah, he's a defensive player first, but even then, his goal totals and point totals weren't great last year. Um, and I think it's safe to say he had an off year last year, and I think we're definitely seeing proof of that now. Um, but what a phenomenal start to the season for Joseph. And even if he wasn't, to be honest with you, even if he wasn't on the scoreboard, even if he didn't already have two goals, um, he's, he's just so noticeable out there, which I don't... Which, it's kind of a kind of a weird way to to say that someone's playing really well, like you're noticing them. Like you can also notice someone making a lot of mistakes, but he's just been so good out there. Like he's flying. I I I um I don't know if I could say I don't know if I can say I forgot how fast he was, but I definitely uh was not appreciating his speed in the off season while I was thinking about ways to get Pinto on the roster. He's just so he's so fast and he's so dangerous. And if he can keep the the shot up that he's doing now, his shots. He is he's 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 so good as a as a third line option on the top PK. He's he's great, and I by no means do I think you know he was the guy to move to make room for Pinto because he's not a good player. So the whole point of uh the, the whole thing being said about how teams wanted a sweetener with him to take on that contract is so silly. I think because he's so good. It's just, it's just what happens when you have no cap room, and teams know you have no cap room to sign someone. They're just going to get as much out of you as they can. So at this point, I don't know who goes. I don't know who goes because Pinto needs to be on this team, and it needs to happen in the next week or so. Otherwise, they're in deep, deep shit. Um, but yeah, Matthew Joseph with a phenomenal game again. Um, I, like, I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do at this point. And... If you have any ideas, if you have an opinion on this, please put it in the chat and we'll we'll take a look at it later on in the show. Um, speaking of, uh, you know, while I'm speaking to you directly, uh, folks watching, if you could leave a like on the stream, it would be much appreciated. It really helps us out. And if you know any hockey fans who are bored because their favorite team didn't play tonight, bring them on over here and uh, they can make fun of me for being a Sens fan or something like that, something productive like that. Um, finally, as far as, like, players I want to highlight, from this game last is last is Timmy last is Timmy Stutes um some good and some bad uh with Timmy so I'm trying I'm trying to find the right way to 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 say this all so it's so I'm somewhat eloquent about it so Stutes is starting to be a lot more vocal with officials um whether he's called for penalties he doesn't agree with or uh, or there was a non-call. He he thought he probably should have drawn a penalty if it doesn't happen. He's 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 a lot more comfortable now, and he's being a lot more vocal with the officials, uh, giving them a really hard time, which you know usually is not helpful in most situations. Um, and unfortunately, it seems to be backfiring on him as well. Like you know, I I don't think I don't think he's necessarily whining too much. Um, but you know, at, at one point this game, like a ref was barking right back at him, which is, is, it's not, it's, that's usually not a very good sign. Um, when the ref is, is, is throwing it right at you like that, like that, I, 
that's not a good look. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think he's anywhere near as far as like a player referee relationship goes. I don't think he's anywhere near like a Michael Bunting or anything like that to the point where he's going to get start getting shoved off the ice. Um, but it's just not great. Um, you know, as an example, in the home opener uh, yesterday, there was a play where he was. I mean, biased biased Sens fan opinion aside, I think he was pretty clearly tripped uh, in the in the corner in the offensive zone on that in that game. No call. Later that shift, he's called for probably the softest cross checking penalty I've ever seen in my life. And uh, you know, I mean, a cross check's a cross check, but like tripping is tripping, you know. So if you're not going to call one. Don't call the other or something. I don't know. Anyway, either way, it, it just kind of looks like um, it, it, it's just one of those examples of, you know, maybe he's whining enough that the soft calls are just going to keep going against him as often as the refs possibly can do it. Not to say they're necessarily going out. And not necessarily there's like a huge conspiracy against Tim Stutzler from the referees, but it, it's just it's just a rough start for him. Um, and then, yeah, and tonight, as another example, he was called for roughing uh, when he got his hands up and on a hit. And, and granted, it, it probably was a penalty. Like, let's be real. Um, it definitely was interference. I'm seeing a lot of a lot of replays where you're just kind of seeing the Tampa skater come in off screen and Stutzla just, like, runs into him. Um, he did have the puck until, like, the moment he came on screen. So timing-wise, that was just Stutzla finishing his check. Uh, but he did get his hands up. Um, and you can't get your hands up in a dude's face like that when you're hitting him. It, it it's going to be called roughing, which is exactly what happened. Um, but you can just tell that he's getting frustrated with the with the lack of calls against him, to the point where he's starting to retaliate and do some really stupid shit that's really easy to call on him. So, I just wanted to talk about Timmy a little bit. On that note, um. I'm not super worried yet, but it's definitely worth keeping an eye on. Um, and it's a double-edged sword, right? I, it sucks to see that you know he's getting tripped all over the place, and there aren't calls against him on those. And then he comes back around and does either either the softest cross-checking call of all time, like against the Flyers, or he's getting mad to the point of getting his hands up in a hit and doing some stupid shit. Which on it, which was rightfully called against him. Um, so yeah, Stutzla. Um, he did get the empty netter though, like that for my fantasy team. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I, I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. Um, that's another thing too. Not just Matthew Joseph. What do you think about Tim Stutzla's uh, relationship with the refs, and how worried are you about it? Uh, granted, only three games in. We're three games into the season. Don't want to overreact to anything, but it is it is a little it, it's it's not it's not fun so far. Um, that part of his game, uh, where the refs seem to to hate him. And uh, really, other than that, I mean, not a whole lot to uh, to 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 analyze with this game. Um, I think majority of the team looked really good couple of softies on Corpusala, but he had no help on those two on those two goals from Tampa. So uh majority of the team looked really solid, I think. 
Um, granted, it is, like I said at the top of the show, it's Tampa with a goalie who's playing his first ever NHL game at 29 years old and missing Steven Stamkos. So while I don't want to let, and, and, and also it's Tampa who, who is, we, we have to, uh, Tampa, ha, I mean, I'm going to sound like a least fan when I'm saying this, Tampa has to fall off eventually. I mean, obviously it was a first round loss for them last year, but they still made the playoffs. You got to think three years of going to the cup final in a row, just that much extra hockey. And, and, and as they're getting older, it's got to take a toll. So I don't want to take Tampa lightly, but I don't want to act like the Sens just took out a Stanley Cup contender with, you know, it's an aging team missing um, a top three player. Well, two top three, two top four players, I guess. I don't know how you would set up the hierarchy um, on that team, but Vasilevsky and Stamkos both being out on a team that, you know, you're probably going to be fighting with for a playoff spot. Uh, it's also entirely possible Tampa just is incredible this year because that's just what they do. They never fall off. Um, it was, it's, 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 it's not to, not to sound dramatic in game three, but it, it's a must win game. It's a game against a divisional rival who is missing two of their most important players. You got to come away with the win if you want to be a playoff team. And it's really nice to see that, uh, you know, we can look at this and, and, and be happy as Sens fans. Um, and I knew there are there is an asterisk, obviously missing Vasilevsky and uh, and Stamkos. But despite that, this five two win does still feel a little bit more of an accomplishment than the five two win on on Philly uh, yesterday. So Sens have that going for them anyway. Um, but you know, we'll see how it all goes. Um, and they do have a very long homestand here, uh, five straight games at home, so three more games at home. Uh, the next three being uh, against the uh, the Caps, Red Wings, and Sabres, I believe. Um, Caps and Red Wings probably both miss the playoffs. Buffalo was right there with Ottawa; they'll be fighting it out for sure. So, a couple more, a couple more games you should you should win if you're the Sens on this homestand, especially with just how awful they've been to start the season the last however many years. I know we're still in October, and it's mostly a November curse. But it's it's good to stay on top of things and get as many wins in October as you can, especially if you're expecting to lose a whole bunch in November like the Sens have. So just really, really nice to see them put it all together here, get a nice win, back-to-back 5-2 to two wins at home for the uh, opening weekend in Ottawa. And uh, honestly, if, if it weren't for the fact that the Shabbat Chikrin line, uh, pairing was pretty rough, I... I have no complaints about this game whatsoever. So all in all, really, really positive about the team right now. And I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Sends are back, baby. Uh, two and one to start the season. Um, so got to love that. And I think, I think at this point I'll, uh, I'll switch over to the chat here, see what you guys are talking about. So uh, at this point, uh, obviously I'll be catching up on a few things that have already been posted, but if you have any, comments questions whatever throw them in the chat now because for the next 10-ish minutes i'll be uh just bouncing off you guys see see what's going on and if you're listening to this after the fact on spotify or wherever you like to get your sdpn podcasts uh swing by on youtube if you can after game one time while it's live you get to talk back and forth talk with other uh other hockey fans watching the show and it's just overall a great time so uh here we go this is the fun part where i gotta fill time as i'm uh going through this here 
Uh, Graham in the chat says, Brady Kachuk, 164 goal pace. I agree. Um, <laughs> that, that's probably pretty likely. Um, uh, oh, no, that's true. Four goals in three games, not four goals in two games. Uh, Graham, we got to work on that. Uh, Got to work on that math, but I, I'm 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 sticking with it. He's scoring forty this year. He just looks like God. He's he means it this year. Like he is so serious this year, and I love to see it. Um, uh, Del Tago says Del Tago, Delta Go. I'm assuming. I don't know why I read it like that. Uh, I know everyone wants Pinto back, but Chartier has been solid defensively as his replacement. I agree. D- defensively, especially Chartier, um, definitely makes me feel a little bit better about the uh, the depth on the PK. Because on the PK, you got Joseph uh, and Kelly, and I think they're doing a great job as the top unit. And on the second unit, it kind of thins out past that. So I definitely agree that he's uh, improving the PK. Um, and what and when if God, that's depressing. If Pinto rejoins the team. Um, I would probably actually send down Castellic over Chartier at this point. I mean, obviously, it's three games in, uh, either one of those guys, it's, 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 it's a lot of this right now, right? It's, it's such a small sample size, especially for depth players. It's tougher to judge them. But at, at this point, I would keep him on the team over Castellic just because I feel, I feel better about him being on the PK. Um, do, 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 do. Um, I also, while I'm looking for stuff in the chat here, I also want to bring up the fact that um, it's so. I mean, and, and again, small sample size, so I don't, I don't want to jump the gun here a little too early. Uh, but Ridley Gregg's looked so good. <laughs> Ridley Gregg has looked so good, and if you told any any Sens fans that in back to back seasons the second line center at least to start out the season would be a rookie last year, obviously being Shane Pinto and this year, really Greg um, playing second line minutes. Um, it sounds like a nightmare. And I mean, in, in reality, it kind of is because it just means that Josh Norris isn't playing at all. And Shane Pinto has been out, but all things considered the, the Sens being stuck with a rookie as a second line center has kind of more or less knock on wood. Um, worked so far so i just also want to give ridley greg a quick shout out uh because he's doing a great job just like shane pinto being thrown into a role he probably shouldn't have to be playing so good on greg um let's see yeah completely agree uh, completely agree completely agree with uh quinn on this one can't replace joseph's pk time easily absolutely not that dude is 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 number one penalty killer on the team again so tough so tough to figure out what to do with that um let's see here keep joseph trade kubalik now that's interesting um and if you do that but if you do that so you say you trade kubalik's two and a half million dollar cap hit you send that out um then you sign pinto to what um, at this point, I feel like Pinto's probably mad enough that he's like, give me the full two and a half. Um, there was a point where it was probably going to be like maybe in the low two, something like that, especially. And also the problem is now as the season goes on, um, his cap hit is going to be higher the further into the season he signs. Right. 
So say he signs for whatever, 2.2, 2.3, the longer it takes, the closer to the two, full 2.5 that you would get from sending out Kubelik is going to be taken up by that Pinto contract. And the other issue with that is that still leaves the team with no wiggle room as far as sending guys down, sending, bringing them up. Um, they're going to be running with a 20-man roster still and probably still not have enough cap space to... Ideally, they'd have enough cap space to maybe bring up some of the better under a million uh, contracts from Belleville while, while sending down a couple league men guys. Like, I'd love to see Yarventi get a longer look, say, on the third line wing or something like that. Um, but even, even then, you, you, you move Kubelik, you sign Pinto, it really doesn't leave a whole lot of room for uh, for extending that roster. So, I, all in all, no matter what the scenario is, the Sens are playing with a very small roster for the remainder of the season. And hopefully that, that $5 million coming off of uh, retained uh, salaries and uh, buyouts is going to be the biggest factor in, in, in giving them a little bit more flexibility next season. Um, Tarasenko effort in the defensive zone has been awesome to see, and I think that's an extremely uh, that's from uh, Devin, by the way. I think I think that's a very underrated part of the way he's played the last couple of games. He's been getting on the score sheet, and that's all anyone cares about. Granted, I mean that's all. <laughs> to be fair with everyone else um, who, who thinks this way, that's that's what I'm thinking too. I, I think that's the most important part of his game. If he can put up a bunch of points, I don't really care how he's playing defensively, but it, it has been nice to see him um, being a little bit responsible as well. Um, and uh, from Fluffy Canuck, sends a bold would have let that game catch up to them and outright lose. It's a nice change of pace. Absolutely. Um this is maybe kind. Of, this is maybe kind of a negative way of looking at it, but last year, especially the second period, was kind of kryptonite for for the Sens. Like anytime you'd see them come out in the first and just have a great start to a game, like they did in this one. By the end of the first, I think shots were seventeen to three for the Sens. So anytime you see the Sens have a really really hot start in a game, and they would come out in the second period, and it looked like they forgot to rest or something, like the other team would always have just like so much more gas than them. Um, and uh, it was a net even period, uh, one nothing lead going into the second, and then heading into the second intermission with a three to two lead. So all in all, it was a net even, and uh, maybe you'd like to see them, you know, extend their lead in the second period instead of losing it or just maintaining it. But I'll take maintaining it over the uh, <laughs> over the alternative that we've seen for the majority of last season. So I'll call that a win. I'm going to call that a win. Um, from uh from CJ in the chat here, Stutzel and Bunting are different, way better player. Definitely needs to be careful, but at some point, I honestly think the refs will be told off by the league. We'll see. Um, I have no idea um how much feedback refs get from the league in in a uh, lay off this player kind of sense. Um, we'll just have to see what happens. Completely agree, different types of players. But, uh, and like I said, I don't think it's anywhere close to being as bad as, you know, Michael Bunting's relationship with referees, but it's, it's kind of heading in the direction of, it's, 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 it is heading in the direction of being something worth watching for and actually being a problem. It's kind of heading in that direction. So I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit iffy, uh, from Rick, would anyone trade Batherson? So the thing with Batherson is. There's two ways to look at Batherson because it's very possible, obviously, um, with the World Junior Team investigation going on, um, 
Um, it's 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 possible he's part of that group. Um, obviously he was on that team, so who's to say what happened there with him? Um, so I don't know if any GMs around the league are going to want to take on a potential risk like that. Um, and at the same time, too, uh, if you're the Sens, uh, if he can put it together defensively, which he wasn't able to last year, but also we have to remember that he was dealing with a, uh, I think it was an ankle injury, lingering ankle injury for a lot of last year. Um, and he's looked like a completely different player when he's healthy and he's on a really good contract. He's got a great cap hit for the next few years. And I mean, last year was an off year where he put up 60 plus points. Um, I said it in a, uh, in a piece I wrote for inside the rink, uh, sort of previewing the send season this year where I said, it wouldn't surprise me if Drake Batherson ever puts up 70, even 80 points. Um, if he can stay healthy and, um, you know, gel well with his line mates, I, I think it's possible that he could do that. So trading Batherson is an interesting idea. I don't love the idea of shipping out that contract because the value is so good if he can hold it together even just, like, all okay defensively. Um, and then the other side of that is who knows if GMs are even going to want to take on the potential risk of anything about the player not being able to play in the future. Um, and then uh, from Devin here, how have you found Tarasenko away from the puck? In my opinion, he's had great effort, and it was cool to see DJ Smith put him out there to defend the lead. Yes, um, I will say I'm a big fan of uh, top top lines. Um, I guess it, it's weird in this case because Tarasenko is still technically on the third line. If you want to look at it that way, like, how, like, hold on, sorry. Let, let me let me look at the ice time real quick. I don't want to get into full ice time discourse here, but um, among forwards, let's see here. So he played fifteen forty nine, which uh, is bum, 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 three, four, five, sixth. So maybe lineup wise, he's third line, but he's getting top six forward minutes, which is great to see. Um, uh, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's great to see you know a coach who's willing to put in the top. Play- Actually, I don't know. I don't know. Is that a weird thing to say? It's weird to see a coach put their top players out to defend the lead. Is it just in Ottawa where like for years, no, regardless of management, regardless of the coach, I I'm I still think back to when the Sens are defending a one goal lead, so they put out Smith, Condra, Greening. You know what I mean? Like it it, it feels like that's just been like put your gritty guys out save a lead and it, it just do, usually doesn't work out so I, I completely agree with you i love seeing tarasenko i love seeing a coach throw the skilled guys out there to defend the lead um really love to see that and um i hope that continues uh from andrew would you change anything in the top four or leave it as is for a few more games to see how it plays out um i wouldn't leave it exactly as is um i'd love to see them try a couple different things um the less drastic of which would be just switching Chikrin to the right side. Uh, keep Shabbat on the left and switch Chikrin to the right. I think someone brought it up in chat. Uh, if you're watching this episode as well, uh, let me know if it was you so I can I can credit you with this idea. Um, but someone said in the chat during Mod's episode yesterday that they wanted to see Chikrin on the right side more than anything just to take full advantage of his absolute fucking cannon of a shot. Um... But also, we, I mean, Shabbat's just been completely out of the loop 
especially this game, both goals uh, against there with him out on the ice. He's just he's just not playing his position well. Um, and I don't know if putting Chikrin on his offside is going to be any better than that. If nothing else, you get Chikrin's shot being on the right. Uh, if you're doing something a bit more drastic and switching it up, I would love to see a... Uh, I don't know, actually. I think maybe you just go back to Shabbat Zub and try out Sanderson Chikrin with... I guess that would still... You'd still have to put someone on the offside, right? So um, I guess I guess my... Not fix exactly, but my idea of, of, a, of a step towards a fix is Trickin plays the right, whether it's with Shabbat or Sanderson. So, see how that goes. Um, but also, I mean, Shabbat's playing his offside. It might take him a few games to get used to it. So, I don't know. Do you need to shake up the top four after back-to-back 5-2 to two wins? Maybe an overcorrection, but, but worth thinking about, I think. Um... See, from Rick in the chat, I wonder if you should put Zub back with Shabbat. There you go. So yeah, it's so. Who knows? Maybe give Shabbat Chikrin a couple more games just to see if they can shake out any any um, uncertainty with positioning and stuff like that. But also, I mean, the Sens' defensive positioning as a whole is pretty rough uh, under the current coaching staff. So I don't know if it's actually going to improve, but we'll have to see. I'll do a couple more, then we're going to call it a night. Um, Let's see here from Danielle and Shannon. Uh, Pinto is worth three easily on a long-term deal. Absolutely, I think. Um, I I think they're just going to try and sign him to whatever the lowest number he'll take for one year is, and then reassess in the summer when when they suddenly have five million open uh, and more cap space for uh, from the uh, retained salary and buyouts this year. Um, and let's be real, Tarasenko's probably, this is probably his one year in Ottawa. Um, if he does really, really well, he's going to need a raise. I don't know where that money comes from. Um, and if he doesn't do well at all, then they're probably just going to let him go. So I would say there's going to be $5 million, uh, in cap space from um, the players who aren't playing and an additional $5 million in cap space from the Tarasenko contract because I just, I just don't, unless there's like a major move made, uh, which I don't hold your breath for that because the Sens can't even make a minor move to accommodate Pinto. Um, uh, I think I think next summer if Pinto if Pinto can suit up for what seventy games, if he can repeat last season, I think that's where you get his like three point something for maybe three years or something that takes him to his to his last uh, RFA year maybe. Um, but completely agree. I think I think he is worth three um, on a uh, on a longer deal. Let's see here. From Michael getting Tarasenko for five million was a questionable move. Agreed. Um, just a little short-sighted, both in the way that the contract is structured, just being one year, and and you know signing that meaning you can't sign Pinto and and not making a move, a follow-up move to to deal with it. So completely agree there. Um, let's see here. Uh, from CJ, my point is more the difference between grinder star and superstar looks bad when uh, someone who's elite is getting screwed. Sure, yeah. Um, from Danny, I would love to see. I just lost it. I would love to see a Sandy Chick top pair. Sanderson and Chickren would be really cool to see. Um, like I said, I, it, it seems, and that's the thing. Like I said, I said maybe put Shabbat back with Zub, or you do Sanderson Chikrin, and that's exactly what you guys are saying in the chat. We're on the same page. I love to see it. Um, let's see here. 
Uh, pretty much, we're all just agreeing on the defense. I got, I love to see it. Um, and yeah, also from Danny, it seems Sanderson can play with anyone. Really agreed. If he can look good with Hamannik, he can look good with anybody. Um, let's see here. Um, and I, I think we'll pretty much end it with uh, with Jack here in the chat. While the dump and chase, we are a cap team, skate the puck in. That's a really, really interesting point. And I, I, I think I agree with you. Um, the Sens seem to be a little bit muddy in the neutral zone. Um, so I, I, I don't know. When you have a guy like Tim Stutzel on the team, you kind of just want to always be... Um, just trying to play a really offensive game and just carry the puck in and make a pass. But um, there have been enough sloppy plays in the neutral zone that part of me is just kind of like, just dump the puck and hope for the best. But no, you think with, you'd think with a, with a skill level on this team that they'd be able to, to carry the puck in a little bit more consistently. Um, if not more often, at least a little more consistently, but uh, no, I completely, uh, completely agree with you there. Uh, I think with that, we're going to call it a night. Um, yeah, big win, mostly positives. I'm doing my best to keep it positive. We're very, very early on in the season, so we're going to stay positive as much as we can. Next up, who's next on game over? It's me again. Uh, the next Sens game is going to be Wednesday night uh, at home against the Caps. Uh, that is October 18th. Uh, I'll be back on game over that episode with uh, two of my buddies, uh, my buddy Sam and my buddy Matt. Um, who, uh, if, if you're a regular game over watcher slash listener, you've seen them both on the show many times. Uh, in fact, you've seen them on the show together with me last year, uh, following the Sens Blue Jackets game. Uh, that was Chikrin's first game at home. Um, the three of us were on the show and it was a long one. It was, it, it was really, really long. They're both very funny people. Um, really entertaining. So. Uh, be sure to check in and uh, watch Game Over. And if you can, live. Uh, they're they're really fun with a live chat. So um, we'll have Sam, who's a Caps fan, and Matt, who is a Sens fan, on Game Over Ottawa for the Sens-Caps game on Wednesday. Um, and it's going to be just a fun old time. Um, it's going to be a mess. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest with all of you. It's going to be a mess. It's going to be... <laughs> it's... I... I Mod has a tough enough time keeping me focused when the two of us are on a show together. So me being the complete scatterbrain rambler that I am with those two guys, it's going to be a complete mess of a show. We're going to start talking about something, and five minutes later, we're going to be five subjects past that. So we'll see how it all goes. Um, maybe not the most organized episode, but it will be a very entertaining one. So I highly recommend you tune in for that one. And... Um, Let's go for three straight for the Sens. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm so excited about this. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the button again. I'm hitting the button again. That's what you do. Back-to-back 5-2 wins in as many days. Boom. 5-2. 5-2. Gotta love it. All right. And with that, I'll, uh, I'll sign off for the night. So thank you all for watching so much. Um, really appreciate it. Please, uh, you know, if you're checking out the video after the fact, uh, like the video really, really helps us out, helps out the network, helps out our show, especially, and, um, would love to catch you live in the next one. So thanks again for watching. 
So go Sens go and uh, on to the Caps.